The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about the ego. And, you know, when I'm in mediation and I'm trying to help people to resolve disputes, often that ego gets in the way. Sometimes I'll say to people, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And those people that say that they'd rather be right are so locked up in their ego that it's a bit of a challenge to bring them to to their senses rather than their knees to understand what's really important in life. And I've just been reading this really wonderful book called Grow Up Your Ego, 10 Scientifically Validated Stages to Emotional and Spiritual Maturity. And this is by Jeanette M. Gagan, Ph.D., and she's in beautiful Santa Fe. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I just love this book. It's really wonderful, and it has great exercises to practice and kind of see where you are on that on those 10 stages, which we're going to talk about. Jeanette Gagan started her career as a nurse employed at the Veterans Administration Hospital in Milwaukee. She took a long hiatus during her marriage while raising five children, And then in 1985, she opened her counseling psychology practice. She also began to study the practice of shamanism, which she incorporated into her professional sphere in a number of ways. Uh, Specifically, she authored her first book, Journeying, Where Shamanism and Psychology Meet. And that's a daring pioneering template for healing in body, mind, and spirit, I'm sure. Uh, This resulted in presentations to various audiences, teaching students about the mix of psychology and shamanism. Now, back in 2003, she started to focus her attention on the authoring and publishing of this book that we just talked about, Grow Up Your Ego, 10 Scientifically Validated Stages to Emotional and Spiritual Maturity. And she now continues writing and educating through her blog, which you can go to at Rio Chama. That's R-I-O-C-H-A-M-A, publications.com. So we're thrilled to have her join us from beautiful Santa Fe. That's a very spiritual place. Anyway, so thank you so much for joining us, Jeanette. Thank you, Mari. I'm very pleased to be here. And from what I hear you saying, you sit in a chair that observes a great deal about the ego. Yes. And you know that people have a great deal to learn about the ego. 
Yes. And I remember a time when um, when I used to say, I wish I could just totally destroy my ego, you know, and then I'd be in pure bliss. And now I realize that my higher self has to sit at a table with all the little the little people <laughs> at that table, including the ego, you know, all my little emotions, my sadness, everything else has to sit at that table. But my higher self has to stay in charge. So that's kind of how I see it um, in my own way. But I love to talk about these 10 scientifically validated stages. But first of all, a lot of people believe that the ego is bad. Like I told you, I used to think it was bad and uh, I have to get rid of it. Now, how, how does your book present an entirely different and scientific view of the ego? Well, this book presents behavioral research results that show the ego not only is real, but is also responsible for two very important jobs. First, it helps us survive, and second, it gives us a sense of self. Yes. However, the ego has as much going up to do as our bodies, minds, and our heart. When the growing doesn't happen, the ego, unable to cope with life's difficulties, resorts to detrimental behaviors and emotional mayhem. Yes. Such egos are not bad. Yeah. They are simply immature. Yes. And to our good fortune, scientific data also solidly indicate that as the ego emotionally matures, so does the ability to cope with spirituality emerging as a natural outcome of this growth. Yes. And that's a very important point. Yeah. So when you talked earlier about that, the, the two uh, you know, ways that, that ego is important to us, you talked about um, the ego keeps us safe, and you say that in your book, too. Could you help my audience understand what you mean by the ego keeps us safe? Yes. Um, what you're really talking about here are defense mechanisms. mechanisms. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, defense mechanisms are processes that the ego uses that deny, distort, and falsify reality in order for us to withstand anxiety. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times we aren't mature enough to be able to handle anxiety-ridden situations that present themselves in our lives. And there are four categories of defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. The first is psychotic, which I don't think we have to spend time <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And that includes denial, distortion, and projection to a delusional degree. The second category is, involves fantasy, for one thing, which is like daydreaming. Yeah. Hypochondriasis, mm. which is unrealistic and obsessive concerns about health. Right. Passive aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. unable to show anger in a direct and appropriate way, and I bet you've seen lots of people yeah. do that. It comes out insidiously, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the other end of it, it's really maddening. Yeah, I'd rather have someone be straight with me than just take it out insidiously because you don't know where it's going to come out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I notice, you know, when I'm in mediation, I notice that the biggest issues that... Um, come out in conflict and the ego is blame and guilt and that vicious cycle of blaming. It's never my fault. You know, the ego says, no, it can't be me. It's you. It's always somebody else. Always blaming the other person. Yes. Not taking responsibility. So, right. Yeah, that that's that seems to be a real biggie when people are in conflict Mm-hmm. They're always looking at someone to blame when they're in a lawsuit. They're looking at 
whose fault is it? And that is a very immature way of resolving disputes because it is what it is. Now, what are we going to do about it, you know? Yes, and in part, what you're describing is another immature uh, mechanism, which is non-delusional projection and involves traits we don't like and others are those we don't like and accept in ourselves. And this is a biggie. Yeah, I noticed you had an exercise in your book, and I'm just going to say the name of your book again so my audience who's driving by can hear it. Grow Up Your Ego, 10 Scientifically Validated Strategies, uh, Stages to Emotional and Spiritual Maturity by Jeanette M. Gagan. Um, yeah, Jeanette, I saw you had one of those uh, exercises to just write down all the things you hate about somebody that really irks you. <laughs> 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 and then and then to kind of look at like okay basically where is it a mirror for me you know what is what is it in that person that i hate so much that a part of that may be me and and this is probably one of the most significant exercises in the book because once we start looking at other people and realizing that what we don't like that we carry that trait and we're denying it yeah and we begin to okay, I'm going to watch when I do this. Yes. And I'm going to work on changing that. Yes. And forgiving that person for doing that, too. You know, because yes, otherwise... you can also thank them because they're showing you something about yourself. Right, right. Yeah, thank you for being such a jerk because that <laughs> shows what kind of a jerk I am Very at good. times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I it's it's interesting because recently I I've had uh, some very difficult clients, and then of course when they've been difficult with each other, um, and then it's almost over, they want to be difficult with you. <laughs> yes, and that's an intermediate defense mechanism called dis displacement. Yes, that involves yeah. discharging tension or expressing hostility by taking it out on a neutral or non-threatening yeah. target yeah. rather than the real source. So there you are, the target. Oh, oh yeah, I've I've seen it a lot, and I've I I kid about it, you know, because I teach other people to mediate, and I said, you know what, you have to put up your golden shields. You yeah. just have to put up your golden shields because if it's catching, you know, if you don't put up a shield in between you and you get caught in it, then, you know, they start to blame you, and then you feel like blaming them back, and it's it's a vicious cycle that you don't want to get into. So you have to, like, really put up your golden shields because it's very easy to, um, when you're out there blaming, to blame everybody for you. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy. No, that's very true. And would you like to know what the mature defenses are? Sure, I would. Okay, the first is suppression, and that's consciously placing disturbing thoughts and experiences out of the mind are consciously choosing to control and inhibit the expression of unacceptable feelings and impulses. And an example of that might be uh, when a divorce occurs that the mother may make a very conscious choice not to criticize her ex-husband right, or right. ex-husband-to-be right. in front of the children. Sure. And you can see that that would be a very mature and perhaps a, a difficult choice for her. Yes, yes, especially if he has a, a new girlfriend or, and, <laughs> yeah. and he has uh, abandoned the family or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. To, to try and look for the positive things about the dad, it's still your dad, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and another mature defense mechanism is anticipation, whereby 
you realistically plan and prepare for a future event in order to manage anxiety. Yeah, like just say that, okay, this too shall pass, and I'm going to look ahead and what things No, it it really involves preparing, and suppose you have to give a a speech to a large audience. Uh Uh-huh, okay. So so you really construct the speech well in advance, practice it. I see. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then perhaps do relaxation exercises while you image presenting that speech in a very calm and confident way. Right, right. So so you take whatever you're worried about and you you feel the fear and prepare for it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And sublimation is another uh, mature defense whereby you channel unacceptable sexual and aggressive impulses into acceptable expressions and behaviors. And a very good example of that is Georgia O'Keeffe's paintings, uh, uh, is sometimes people say that um, they're really expressing feminine sexuality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that really involves this defense mechanism of sublimation in a, in a mature way. Right. And the next one is humor, and that's the capacity to laugh our, at ourselves and share this phenomenon with others. It's not humor at the expense of someone else. Right. It's almost self-deprecation, but without really hurting yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And altruism is the last one, which involves selfless giving that enriches both the giver and the receiver. Yes. And, and we need lots of that these days. Yeah. And people forget, I think, that, you know, that giving is really part of the whole cycle and the the blood of the universe. You know, as you give, you receive. As you receive, you give. And yeah. it, and, if, and if you block that either way, if you don't give, then it blocks your receiving. And if you don't allow people to give to you and you receive, then it blocks that too. So, yes. yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, something that we always need to work on. Now, you know, you talk about this, the scientific validation of these stages. How did this scientific validation come into being about the ego? Well, thanks to um, Jane Levinger, who in the late 1960s created the sentence completion test that was administered to several thousand children and adults over a span of three decades. Uh, A great deal has been learned. This research tool involves subjects completing 36 sentences such as my mother and I, fill in the blank, when I get mad, a woman should always, a man should always. Hmm. The resulting data from this test provided authentic scientific evidence regarding the verification of 10 stages of ego growth. So let's talk about those 10 stages. I I know you and I were talking before, most people kind of fall in the middle, but could you kind of go through just quickly the beginning stages and then kind of where most people are and then where we want to be? Okay, perfect. Um, The early ego growth stages, one, two, and three, are considered as automatic and necessary for the the natural growth of the personality. Stage one is a pre-social stage when the infant emerges from the wound and hopefully nestles into the arms of caretakers. Um, 
stage two is the symbiotic stage, which uh, in which parental uh, behaviors occur that attune with the infant's behaviors. And um, so, like a baby cries and the mom puts a bottle in the mouth. Yeah, okay. or the baby smiles and the mom smiles back. Right, right. And stage three is the impulsive stage, sort of a famous stage in which the toddler issues an emphatic no as she increasingly asserts her needs and wants. Right. She is fascinated with her body, especially sexual and aggressive impulses. These impulses help her confirm her own identity, even though her behavior may be found upon and punished. Thank God she grows out of that. (laughs) (laughs) And stage four is a self-protective stage. The child is now preschool age and understands there are rules, but the main rule is not to get caught. (laughs) She is not able to anticipate short terms or rewards or punishment and is likely to grab as many goodies as she can and blame others when she's caught with her hand in the cookie jar. There's some people that are stuck in that stage and they're criminals. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Yeah. Self-protective adults are deceptive, competitive, preoccupied with control, and view life from the perspective of what I win, you lose. Yeah. Pursuit of the good life with lots of money and nice things is a driving force. Yeah. Which brings us to the fifth stage. Research indicates that 80% of Americans dwell in stages five through seven. Hmm. Stage five, which although loosely correlated with elementary school years, can often extend into adulthood, is a significant step is taken when the child begins to identify his welfare with that of a group, the family for a young child and a peer group for an older child. Individuals at the conformist stage obey the rules because they are the accepted group rules. Typical behaviors of this stage include identification with a higher authority, conforming to others' expectations, emphasis on gender roles, and describing feelings in black and white terms, good or bad, happy or sad. Right. Notice that middle-aged individuals who are preoccupied with mainstream consensus opinions, never questioning authority figures, whether political, religious, or cultural, are unfortunately stuck in the fifth stage. Yeah. Stage six is a self-aware stage, and although many characteristics of the conformist stage remain active, this stage involves an increasing self-awareness on both thinking and feeling levels. A vague but growing sense of an inner life triggers questions about existence, relationships, and patterns. Hopefully, this results in an individual becoming more observing of both her thoughts and emotions. Keeping a daily journal regarding behaviors and reactions can be of great help in promoting the awareness of multiple possibilities and situations, understanding there are exceptions to rules, learning to seek alternatives in difficult situations, and developing an increasing acceptance of individual differences. I, I would think that counseling would help with that self-awareness, too, and sometimes at least in my experience, when people go through the dark night of the soul, whether it's a death in the family or a divorce or some crisis, 
and they go within, that's when they start to really get to that point of self-awareness. They start to say, what is the meaning of life? What am I doing with my life, right? That, that oh, seems you're to... absolutely right. Um, and this can also happen around midlife when you realize you can't do the things that you used to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, but and, something, something clicks. Right. And you say, wait a minute, you know, I'm not just on automatic reaction here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, then the seventh stage is... It is the conscientious stage where you apply what you've learned in the sixth stage. And the person experiences herself as a competent and self-respecting person, shows major elements of an adult conscience, including long-term goals, has the ability to evaluate herself in a healthy way in contrast to self-rejection, has a sense of responsibility that results in new personal rules to live by, sees herself with an individual sense of choice and the originator of how her life unfolds, perceives many possibilities and situations and exceptions to rules, measures achievement by her own standards, believes humankind can perfect itself, and understands that mutual relationships are complex. So you can see that these three stages, five, six, and seven, are really key to entering into the top stages. Yeah, yeah. And um, So let's talk about the eight, nine, and ten. Eight is that individualistic stage. Yeah. And what is that, what is that uh, characterized by? Well, at that point, the person realizes many things that other people can't solve their dilemmas in life, that it's really up to them, mm. that in creating their reality, they begin to realize that the mind doesn't have all the answers to the questions. Right. And this is very key in, in the last eight, nine, ten mm-hmm. and, and stages because more and more the spiritual aspect of the person begins to emerge. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to what does a grown-up ego look like. And numerous researchers agree that individuals with a grown-up ego have intricative experiences of unity, hold a sense of awe, have familiarity with peak experiences, demonstrate altruistic behaviors, take pleasure in intimate relationships, carry the capacity for total attention to task. Fortunately, they understand the irrelevance of comparison and competition, accept reality as it is, experience resolution of paradox, show humor and playfulness, and pursue creative expression. Yes, and you know the the seems to me that that those top uh, or those those higher levels of consciousness, so to speak, or higher levels of of um, maturity of the ego, also would be that you get to the point where you are conscious of what you're doing. You know, you're 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 like the uh, the observer there too. You're observing why you're doing. <laughs> well, that's very well said, and that is indeed one of the characteristics of the top stages. Yeah, that we are staying conscious. I know for me, as I get older, I want to be conscious every moment, which is not always possible, but I try to be conscious of 
what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, keeping my my thoughts when something bad happens, you know, consciously changing those thoughts like, okay, this too shall pass. Okay, this is happening for a reason. Okay, I'm learning, I'm growing. You know, it's just getting to that point where you are not having these knee-jerk reactions. You're, you're questioning, I wonder why this is happening. Not like, oh, why poor me? But I wonder why this is happening. I wonder what there is to learn from this. I wonder what the growth is, right? Isn't that seem to be the place we want oh, to be? You're right on track there. And you must be moving into the higher stages. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I think I've probably been around many lifetimes, and I'm hoping this time will be my last time having to come back. <laughs> I don't think so, but, you know, at least I'm I'm getting closer to that. So those are fantastic stages. So what helps us to grow? Oh, this is such a central question. Thank you for asking it. How parents bond with their offspring very early in life plays a key role to whether the ego naturally matures or whether faulty bonding experiences result in children who are unable to soothe themselves and to trust themselves in the world. Results of research investigated by Harvard researcher George Valiant demonstrated that the ego matures through the internalization of a holding environment. That is the experience of holding inside ourselves the image and emotional experience of people we love and who love us. Mm. Just as infants take in the soothing mother, we adults can connect to a nurturing source and internally anchor it to become self-soothers. Yeah, you know, I, I know that's that's something I'm trying to do. We have a puppy, and I'm trying to teach him that to self-soothe instead of coming over to bite me or all the time is to play with his toys. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of experiencing that with a, with a three-month-old golden retriever as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I can I can see that is and and that's something that um, yeah that we as parents have a duty to help our children to do that and if they don't do it in childhood if they don't get it in childhood I would think that that's a good thing for them to get in counseling right yes in other words whatever to whatever degree we suffered inadequate bond, bonding opportunities to round out the experience can bring completion no matter what our age. Yes. And yes. use of altered states of consciousness provides a very natural way to tap into a holding environment. Uh, do I have time to read the example of one woman who did this? Um, we, you know, we have time. We have about two minutes. So if you want to just do that, we can do that. But let's, uh, let's, I kind of wanted to get to your last paragraph of your book yeah. where you do that, if, if we can yeah. do that, because we are just, I was just going to tell you we have about two minutes left, so maybe okay. maybe we should jump ahead. I'm sure we could talk for hours, couldn't we, Jeanette? Yes, we could. <laughs> okay, let's just jump to, I know you wanted to talk about at the end of the last chapter, there's a paragraph yeah. that describes the potential worldwide significance of all okay. this. Okay. The implications of more and more individuals maturing their egos and living from a place of unitive consciousness are staggering. Those who love from the foundation of an intact ego, not threatened by differences or challenges, and who are able to empathically, empathically connect while remaining true to their individuality, catalyze growth pursuits in others. Those whose creativity springs forth unfettered by greed, envy, or competition, 
not only supply a vast array of resources to local communities, but also invest energy into the resolution of societal and ecological concerns. Yeah, I really love that myself because I think of in mediation that really, really applies that that they're looking for you know, that higher consciousness, mutually respectful of each other, looking to find ways of bringing that unity, that unity, that what, whatever it is, you know, that, that resolution. So that really, really resonates with me as to conflict resolution too. When we all are at that higher level, we're, um, we're accepting, we're open and receptive to solutions that are creative. So it, it, uh, for me, it just was a real nice segue for me into the kinds of things that I'm trying to do in my career. So I am so grateful for you for this book. It's really wonderful. Grow Your Ego, 10 Scientifically Validated Stages to Emotional and Spiritual Maturity. And Jeanette M. Gagan, we are so pleased that you joined us today. And you want to just give your website and it's time for us to go. All right. www.realchamapublications.com. L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com. Well, thank you so much, Jeanette. We will be talking to you, and I look forward to your next book. And you will certainly hear about it. Okay, thanks so much. Have thank a you. great day. Okay, bye-bye. You've been bye-bye. listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 for prescriptions for healing conflict and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can download podcasts, listen to archived interviews, see our upcoming guests, and also write us about what your concerns are about healing conflict. Thanks. Express in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.